0: You are listening to A Scary State, and this week we're talking about Illinois. So, Alex? Yes, Lauren? Let's get scary. All right, so as you heard, I have my coworker and friend Alex on with me today. Hey, guys. Um, So we're covering Illinois. Do you have a connection
1: to Illinois, Alex? I might have. Um, I'm actually from Illinois originally. I grew up there and lived there until I moved uh, to Virginia. So It was just perfect
0: to have you on.
1: It worked out. And so if I sound a little congested today,
0: I apologize. My allergies have been awful. And anyone who lives in Virginia, you will know that it gets really cold and then really hot and then really rainy. And it's just not great for us allergy people. So (laughs) I will push through. But yeah, I apologize for how my voice sounds. (laughs) All right. So I guess we'll just jump on into it. So, Illinois, nicknamed the Land of Lincoln and the Prairie State, joined the Union on December 3rd, 1818, and became the 21st state. Illinois got its name from the Illinois River, which was named by a French explorer. This river was named after the Native American word Illiniwak, or Illiniwak, mm. which means best people. Oh. So, some weird laws. In Chicago, you are not allowed to give whiskey to a dog. <laughs> also in Chicago, you cannot go fishing while sitting on a giraffe's neck. <laughs>
1: Interesting.
0: And then in Mount... Pulaski? Is that right?
1: Pulaski, yeah. I'll be asking you s- so
0: many pronunciations today. <laughs> um, it is fine for boys to throw snowballs, but it is against the law for girls to do so. Uh, discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> if a rooster wants to crow in Kenilworth, he needs to make sure he is 300 feet from any residence. Mm, okay. And bees are not allowed to fly over or through Kirkland. Is Kirkland how we get Costco things
1: i wonder <laughs> if it's if costco like originated in Chicago. yeah i don't know
0: or something where they're like oh Cookland sounds perfect for our brands <laughs> right illinois was the first state to abolish slavery so good on them Ooh. the ice cream sunday was invented in evanston and twinkies were invented in river forest the world's tallest man, Robert Persing Wadlow, was born in Alton on February twenty second, eighteen nope nineteen eighteen. <laughs> when he was measured in nineteen forty, he was eight feet tall, eleven inches, which is two point seven two meters. Weighed four hundred and ninety one pounds and wore a size thirty seven shoe. Oh my god! His arm span was just under nine and a half feet, which is two point eight eight meters. Sadly, he <laughs> passed away at the age of just twenty two. Also, John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, is from Illinois. Mm -hmm. The first documented case of a possession in the United States was of 13-year-old Laurency Venom. Illinois has 11 nuclear power reactors, which is more than any other state, and they generate 12% of the nation's nuclear power. And at the time it was built, Willis Tower, formerly known as the Sears Tower, held the record for the world's tallest building at 110 stories, from its sky deck, you can see four states, Illinois, obviously, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Oh, wow. Have you ever been there? Yes. Was it a really long
1: elevator ride? Yes, but it is very cool.
0: I feel like that might be something I would not take the stairs for.
1: Um, no. <laughs> you don't want it's like 188 floors or something crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. That sounds awful. It's tall. Yeah.
0: According to research from Radford University and Florida Gulf Coast University, Illinois is in the top four states with the largest number of serial killer victims at 629 oh, since oh 1900. Gosh. Illinois also has 12 known serial killers.
1: Okay. <laughs> I will be talking about one today. Oh. <laughs> and who will you be talking about, Alex? H.H. H. Holmes. You want to get into him? Sure, let's do it. So I do have a trigger warning on this. Um, the story of H.H. H. Holmes is a little kind of brutal um and i get a little bit descriptive so it might be unsettling and even unsuitable for some listeners oh that sounded so professional (laughs) (laughs) additionally i would like to add that throughout this account there are multiple times in which my sources are contradictory or accounts of what actually exactly happened Mm -hmm. slightly differ um not only did H. H. Holmes lived in the late 1800s, so at a time when things were not exactly recorded properly. Yeah. Um, therefore leading to different s- stories, but there are also discrepancies in the story which can be traced back to rumors that he apparently spread by Holmes himself. Oh. Were spread by Holmes himself. Oh,
0: I had no idea. That's actually kind of really cool. Yes, he
1: exaggerated the killings. He probably wanted to sound really cool and be yeah. like, "Yo." <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. H.H. H. Holmes was born as Herman Webster Mudgett on May 16, 1861, in Gilmantown, New Hampshire, to parents Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price. He was the Mudgett's third of five children. Holmes did not appear to have a normal childhood, although he was brought up in a affluent family. Uh, there are multiple reports that Holmes's father was an alcoholic and he was known to abuse and mistreat his children. So, with that, there should have been some obvious warning signs regarding H.H. H. Holmes' behavior as a child and into his youth and adulthood. From a young age, Holmes became obsessed with death. He was known to torture and kill animals. Claiming- oh, good. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Claiming his interest in medicine contributed to his practicing surgery on animals.
0: Mm, I don't know if I would <laughs> relate those. <laughs>
1: Additionally, there are multiple reports that indicate he was involved in the death of one of his closest friends. Unfortunately, I didn't find any more information on this, Jeez. but multiple sources were citing that mm-hmm. it was, he was likely involved. Solid kid. <laughs> <laughs> After graduating high school at the age of 16, which proves he was sadly intelligent, he <laughs> Sadly, <laughs> he officially changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes. The last name of Holmes was apparently an homage to the fictional character Sherlock Holmes. Oh. In 1878 and at the age of 17, Holmes married Clara Lover- Lovering. On February 3rd, 1880, Holmes and his wife Clara welcomed their son, Robert Loverling Mudgett, into the world. After working as a teacher in New Hampshire, Holmes decided he wished to attend medical school and enrolled at the University of Michigan. During his time at the University of Michigan, Holmes was known to have robbed gra- grave sites. So, oh, no. <laughs> in, in other words, he took courses from, corpses from the grave sites to be used as cadavers. Uh.
0: <laughs> because the medical
1: school couldn't find any cadavers. Gross. <laughs> Upon his arrest and arrangement on murder tra- charges, Holmes admitted to using cadavers to defraud life insurance companies to collect life insurance checks that belonged to the deceased.
0: Oh my gosh. He's actually, yeah, like you said, sadly very smart.
1: Yes. Like, why can't you
0: use these thoughts for good and not evil? Yes, he
1: was quite the scam artist, too. Holmes burned or disfigured the cadavers to make it look as though they were in a horrific accident. Holmes later graduated from the University of Michigan's medical school in 1884. Between the time of his engagement, (laughs) between the time of his, (laughs) his graduation and his next chapter in Chicago, Holmes traveled from town to town to avoid conviction of participating in various scams. During this time, two little boys were known to have gone missing, one in Mowers Forks, New York, and the other in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Both boys were known to have connections to Holmes. There are accounts that this is actually when he had changed his name to avoid exposure and decrease the likelihood of conviction. I mean, clever,
0: Uh, unfortunately.
1: Somewhere around 1885 or 1886, Holmes moved to Chicago, finding work at a local pharmacy. After the original owner of the pharmacy died, Holmes convinced the owner's widow to sell the pharmacy to him. It should be noted here that Holmes was suspected of killing the owner of the pharmacy, (laughs) as well as the owner's widow later on. Oh my god! Yeah. However, these suspicions have yet to be confirmed, and there are a few accounts that suggest the pharmacy owner and his wife never, in fact, died. So what, they just, like, went missing? Yes, that they moved, like, to California. And huh. willingly sold the pharmacy willingly yes interesting in quotes yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and that's one of those things that like we're never going to know exactly. because it was so long ago exactly there's just
1: little reporting oh here. man yeah <laughs> later in 1886 Holmes married Mitra Belknap despite <laughs> nailed it <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> the correct pronunciation for sure <laughs> despite still being married to his first wife Clara Oh, drama. Yeah. After marrying Mitra, Holmes attempted to file for divorce from Clara, citing infidelity on her part. Um,
0: sir. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Clara was not aware of her husband's filings, and sources indicate that they never actually got divorced. Holmes and his new wife... mitra (laughs) (laughs) had a daughter lucy theodate holmes i actually
0: love the name lucy i don't know why yeah it
1: is cute but theodate was his mom's name oh theodate page price yeah so i thought that was interesting he named his daughter a little homage to his mom yes lucy was born on july 4th 1889 um so i want to stop here for a second to talk about holmes having multiple wives I have heard instances of men traveling across the country at this time and leaving their families behind and then going to marry and start a new family. Oh, my God. Yeah, because they could get away with it. Yeah, exactly. So I actually know someone who is a direct descendant of this type of situation. I'm Do like, you really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So her great-grandfather left his family in San Francisco, California, and traveled to Massachusetts for work, where he married and started a completely different family family. He never went back oh, to his family my God. or his kids.
0: So is that something I wonder? If you did, like, Ancestry and, like, you know, 23andMe or whatever, is that a way you can find your half-siblings? That's how she felt. Oh, my
1: God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so spicy.
1: Um, word of this actually spread, and it ended up being on the front of the New York page. <gasps> oh, sorry, the front of – page of the new york times oh my god it was such like extreme gossip
0: yeah obviously right so that's extreme gossip now (laughs) (laughs)
1: seriously like when does this happen i don't think you can get away with this now oh
0: uh, yeah i don't think you could at all
1: (laughs) so i although i think it was this was still fairly rare um it did happen where men would just up and leave their wives and family (laughs) So, back to H.H. Holmes. After buying the pharmacy, in quotes, in around (laughs) 1889, Holmes decided to purchase land right across the street for construction of a three-story building. With plans of it being a residence for Holmes and a hotel, it is reported that Holmes hired and fired multiple construction companies throughout the building process in an effort to conceal the layout of the building. Wild. Wild. Yeah, we'll get into the layout, too. Oh,
0: good. Oh, that's my favorite part.
1: (laughs) Same. The neighborhood started to refer to this monstrous building as the castle. Holmes Castle is constructed in a peculiar manner. (laughs) Haha, get it? Peculiar manner. (laughs) Bad joke. (laughs) Also, what nightmares are made of. Um, Holmes Castle, just reading about it, reminded me a lot of the Winchester Mansion in San Yes!
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes
1: um which they were actually built around the same time period winchester mansion went underwent construction around 1884 um though it obviously took several years to be constructed the holmes castle had doors and stairs that led to nowhere secret and soundproof rooms god creepy shoots with trap doors that led from the top floor to the basement so in 1937, so well after Holmes had died, an article in the Chicago Chicago Tribune wrote about the house, stating that in all of America, there was none other like it. Ew. Which, Winchester Mansion, kind of, but right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's chimneys stuck out where chimneys should never stick out. It's stairways ended nowhere in particular. Winding passages brought the uninitiated with a frightful jerk back to where they had started from. I hate that. (laughs) There were rooms that had no doors. There were doors that had no room. A mysterious house it was indeed. A crooked house. A reflex of the owner, the builder's own distorted mind. In a house, in that house, occurred dark and eerie deeds. Mm -hmm. So, another quote on the building. specifically regarding the basement. The cellar was perhaps the most remarkable section of the building. It was fitted with operating tables, a crematory, pits containing quicklime and acids.
0: I feel like hotels should not have that (laughs) in the basement.
1: Same. (laughs) Surgical instruments and various pieces of apparatuses, which resembling medieval torture racks. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Holmes Castle was complete around 188 18- <laughs> Whoops. Holmes-, <laughs> <laughs> Holmes Castle was complete around 1891 to 1892. So, note here that the third story was added later, um which marked true completion and that was around 1893. Interesting. So this was just in time for the Chicago World's Fair, which was also known as the World's Columbian Exposition. So I had no idea, I had to look this up, but the Columbian Exposition was held to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus. Oh. Yeah. Coming to America, that is. Yeah. So during the exposition, or World's Fair, the castle would come to serve as a hotel, Upon completion of the castle, Holmes advertised in local newspapers that he needed young women to come and work at the castle. Of course, of course. (laughs) One stipulation of their employment at the castle was that the workers were required to take out a life insurance policy. Oh, my gosh. With Holmes as the beneficiary. Because that's a
0: completely normal thing that happens for work.
1: Exactly. Good. Yeah. Also, it was reported that sometimes guests were uh required to take out life insurance policies as well. Which okay, interesting. Yeah. I
0: feel like if that if I went to a hotel and they're like, oh we just need to take out a life insurance policy. I'd be like, you know what, I don't need to stay here. Like yes. I'm just gonna go. Let me go somewhere else.
1: Yeah. So not that this makes it any better because it doesn't, but <laughs> Holmes did pay the premiums for the life insurance policy.
0: What a nice guy. <laughs> right. So thoughtful.
1: <laughs> okay, so now on to Holmes's victims. Holmes himself claimed that he murdered at least 200 people. Jeez. However, most researchers and experts think that the, no- the actual number of victims was around nine.
0: Okay. Most- Very big discrepancy there. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, most reporting around this time seemed to favor that Holmes truly did kill 200 people. The creepy Holmes mansion, the history of scams and schemes, and the way he seemed to lure in tourists or visitors during the World's Fair truly contributed to these rumors. So most of Holmes' confirmed victims appeared to have been those that he knew um, or those he had had a relationship with. One of Holmes' first victims was his (laughs) his mistress, Julia Smythe. Julia Smythe's husband, Ned Connor, worked for Holmes at the pharmacy and also lived at the mansion. Upon finding out about his wife's affair with Mr. Holmes, He moved away, leaving his daughter, Pearl, and his wife, Julia, behind. Holmes continued to have a relationship with Julia after Ned left, and she continued to live in Holmes' mansion. That sounds so creepy. I know. I don't... I don't know why you'd want to live there. No. It sounds creepy.
0: It really does. Like, you go down the wrong hall and you're, like, walking – I don't even know.
1: I don't like it. I'd get lost all the time. Yes, absolutely. Oh, gosh. It's just a place for for murder and killings. (laughs) (laughs) Julia and her daughter, Pearl, went missing in December 1891. Most people say on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Holmes maintained that he did not purposefully kill Julia. Purposefully. Right in quotes, but that he accidentally killed her while performing an abortion. Oh, okay. He obviously did not have experience with carrying out abortions. Yeah. Although he did go to medical school, he was primarily in the pharmaceutical business. And I
0: feel like back then it was just very barbaric. And obviously yes. not clean at all. Right. So
1: so many things could go wrong. Right. And you probably didn't go to the doctor. Or, oh yeah. You know, because no. It was, yeah. Holmes maintained that he did not purposely kill Julia, but that he accidentally killed her while performing an abortion. No one is for certain as to what happened to Pearl. However, Holmes did claim that claim that he poisoned her as a result of her mother's death.
0: Oh. Which is really. Sad. I feel like that's not the way to do that. I know.
1: It is stated that Holmes paid someone to take a body of a woman that resembled Julia's stature. Apparently, she was really tall, and like six foot two. Oh wow! So it was, and which was, you know, abnormal. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of—they never officially identified her, but oh, just the you, fact she yeah. was six two. He, Holmes had the skin removed from the body so that her skeleton could be sold to a medical school. Oh my god. A body of a child that resented Pearl's stature was later found in the basement of the Holmes' mansion. However, her body was never actually identified. Yeah.
0: I feel like it would have been really hard to identify bodies back then as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And especially you don't know how long they've been Mm -hmm. there. Yep. Holmes' next victim was Emmeline Sagrande. Emmeline began working in the hotel around May 1892. Holmes quickly struck up a relationship with Emmeline. It is said that Emmeline became pregnant and therefore was another victim of a fatal abortion oh. performed by Holmes.
0: Was Holmes a good looking guy? Because he oh. has like all these different women coming in and out of his life.
1: Honestly, he kind of looked like Sherlock Holmes. Oh. Which really cool. <laughs> he had like the mustache and, you know, pull up a picture he of wore him. like the, the hat. The
0: yeah. Hat. Uh, I mean, I don't see. Uh, whatever you don't see resemblance no i see the resemblance oh. i just don't see the attraction but to each his right, own right when i okay this is just very weird so i put h.h H. holmes right yeah there's a picture of him and then there's a picture of megan merkel
1: yes some people so some people say that he is jack the ripper oh so then there are reports saying that like megan markle is actually descended from jack the ripper
0: which wild I but how do you know that. because no one is able to confirm who jack the ripper
1: is right yeah right interesting so fun fact i didn't include that because i was like i couldn't find anything that you know that is a fun fact so <laughs> so, yeah so it is rumored that holmes had proposed to emeline at some time throughout the course of their relationship so she would have been his third wife god <laughs> yeah Holmes' next victims were Minnie and Annie. Um, some reports also called her Nanny Williams. Holmes struck up a relationship with Minnie. She was an actress who had moved to Chicago around 1893. After meeting Mi- Minnie, Holmes offered her a job as his personal stenographer. What's a stenographer? <laughs> I did include this. <laughs> a person that makes a written verbatim record using a unique, shortened writing style called a steno machine. Oh. In other words, a court reporter. Oh, okay. But why did he need a court reporter? And that's something I, we will never know.
0: Yeah, that is very interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't need a court reporter. Why to do you need one? his
1: every word. Well, right. But why? Huh. Mm-hmm. Shady. Yeah. Apparently, Holmes had Minnie transfer a deed for land that she owned in Fort Worth, Texas to a man named Alexander Bond. Alexander Bond was an alias for Holmes. Mm, I kind of had a feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Scam artist. There are reports that Minnie and Holmes did get married. In late July 1893, it is reported that Annie and Minnie went missing. However, the bodies of Annie and Minnie were never identified. If they were found, they were never truly identified. Yeah. Which is sad. Holmes' most notable victims were the Pietzels. Holmes met Benjamin Piezos while working in Chicago. Piezos quickly became Holmes' right-hand man and accomplice for his criminal schemes. After a brief stint in jail for insurance fraud, Holmes constructed a plan to fake the death of Piezos to once again defraud insurance companies. Was Pietzel in on this? No. Oh. After not being able to find a cadaver to to fake Pietzel's death, Holmes decided he would kill his business partner by knocking him unconscious with chloroform and setting his body on fire with benzene. Good. Interesting fact, Holmes later testified that he used chloroform to knock Pietzel out and before he set his body on fire. However, it is noted that Holmes actually did not use chloroform until after he set his body on fire. This was in an attempt to fake suicide. Interesting. I I don't understand why... I don't either. ...anyone would... Yeah. I don't know. Holmes would go on to kill Pietzel's three children and their mother. Their bodies were eventually found, and Holmes would be tried and convicted of their murder. Following his conviction, Holmes confessed that he murdered 27 individuals from Chicago, Indiana, and Toronto, Canada, which is where the Pietzel children were suspected of being murdered. Interesting. So I didn't include this, but I probably should have. So it's, it was reported that Holmes played like a game of cat and mouse with the children and the mom so that he would have the children be in the same room as, or a different room as the mom down the like street and he would play games with the mom saying like you can hear your children but she would be tied up. Oh my god. And, or he they would be like several blocks away and she he would say your children are several blocks down the street but he played this game with her and the children for months before he actually killed them. She so tortured
0: them. Yeah, awful my games.
1: Yeah. And also he took them into Canada to torture them. I
0: feel like Nowadays, you can't just cross the border all willy-nilly. Right? Like, was it that
1: easy back then? I guess. I have no idea. Like, How did times you need a changed? passport? Yeah, right? No. But the Piezos also, at this time, had no idea that their father was dead. Oh, So they never, which, at least, sadly, they died knowing. Like, thinking he was still alive. Brain. Yeah. yeah. Wow. While in prison, awaiting trial, Holmes wrote an autobiography, in which he writes, quote, I was born with the very devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer. No more than the poet can help the inspiration to song, nor the ambition of an intellectual man to be great. The inclination to murder came to me as naturally as the inspiration to do right comes to the majority of persons. Holmes was hung in Philadelphia on May 7th, 1896, which I thought it was weird he was hung in Philadelphia considering his crimes. or in Chicago. Yeah. The only crime that I could find that he was suspected of was killing the little boy, boy in yeah. Philadelphia. But nothing regarding anything else.
0: Maybe at the time they couldn't do something like that
1: in Illinois. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Or he was tried federally. But still. Very strange. No idea. Right. So what happened to the infamous holmes castle you might ask i did ask yes <laughs> <laughs> well shortly after holmes was convicted an arsonist took to the mansion destroying it in its entirety oh my gosh which i would like to know who that arsonist yeah was. like was it clara his ex-wife yeah we'll never know well his wife still not was ex. anyone in the hotel when it was set on fire no it okay. had been abandoned okay around 1938 a post office was built on the property where the mansion once stood That post office is still there today. The post office, although it was built on the property, was actually shifted so that the post office was not built over the part where he was suspected of murdering individuals. Interesting. I thought so, too. That's very interesting. Yeah, they purposely did that, so maybe not to... I don't know. Because I wonder if the post office is haunted, yeah. Right, right. And that concludes H.H. Holmes' uh, brutal murders and... The Legacy of the Holmes Castle. Jeez. Yeah. Have you ever seen American Horror Story? No. So the fifth
0: <laughs> season Hotel is, like, pretty much all about his murder te- like hotel.
1: Oh, interesting. It's
0: really, really good.
1: There were so many books and movies written about him. Yeah. Um, Which I found really interesting. And all of the accounts are completely different, all of the books and movies. Because, I mean, he did say, oh, I killed... 200 people and then it was found he was only suspected of nine so it's just interesting how many discrepancies there are yeah differences and everything so and because in the season of hotel they have
0: like you know all the endless hallways and the ones that just keep going on forever but then the hallways that can be blocked off with the windows being boarded up like all that kind of stuff and so it's super creepy and then his ghost is said to still live in the hotel so like you get to see his ghost like doing all the stuff It's good. I love American Horror Story, so. Okay, I might have to watch it. It's a real, it's actually a really good season. It's the one that has Lady Gaga in it. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. It's,
0: I mean, I like it. It's good. Yeah. And then there's a serial killer, and then they have a Halloween night dinner where all the serial killers hang out. It's cool. Interesting. It's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right, cool.
0: All right, well, that was good. I am. I'm very interested in H.H. H. Holmes. I am too. There's also a book about him. As you said, there's like a million. But yeah. The Devil in the White City yes. is also about him.
1: That's what I have up on my computer now.
0: That's what I want to read. I haven't uh. gotten around to it, but I do want to read it. I heard it's pretty good.
1: Yeah. I also was like, why do they call Chicago the White City? Is it because of like all the marble that was used? Oh, maybe. The World's Fair? I maybe. That makes sense. I don't know. Good, good, good thought. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: You're welcome, <laughs> so I haven't covered a haunted hotel in a while, so I will Ooh. also be talking about a haunted hotel so tonight or today, I'm going to talk about the original springs hotel located located in ocaville Okaville, yeah. at five o six north Hanover street and I did look it up how to pronounce and it says like twenty different ways, so I'm going to go with you okay, like there's two oh. but <laughs> So I was like, I'm just going to ask Alex. Yeah. So, Oakville. Yes.
1: And so you've driven by this place? Yes. And, I, I mean, it looked creepy. It looks, from the outside, it's, like, yellow. Um, in the block, there's, like, a bank. Um, is a pretty small town. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot to it. Um, but I actually drove through on the way to my brother's golf tournament. Oh, my gosh. And what's... Crazy is that I definitely took note of the hotel at the time. So That's the fact,
0: wild. Yeah.
1: So the fact, and it, I mean, you drive by things all the time and you'd never think about like what yeah. you're driving by. So the fact that you're talking about it today is just, <laughs> and there's creepy stuff about it, it just blows my mind.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. So today, the original Springs Hotel is known as a luxurious two-story hotel that offers a bathhouse and a restaurant. Guests can relax with a massage, take a nice soak in the hot indoor pool, have a nice meal at the upscale restaurant, or enjoy a nice restful sleep. But in the 19th century, Oakville became famous for its Mineral Springs with the thought that Mineral Springs had a positive impact on one's health and overall well-being. In 1867, a businessman decided that he wanted to capitalize on these Mineral Springs and decided to build the first bathhouse and spa in the town. That tinsmith-turned-businessman was named Rudolf Plague. He stumbled upon the spring water one day as he was trying to build a well of his own. Plague eventually got in touch with a German farmer who had experience with working with spring water. The German farmer had once worked at the Carlsbad Baths back in Germany. So the two men teamed up to open a bathhouse, which would allow people to take a little dip in the mineral water. The spa and bathhouse opened on September 16, 1868. The healing powers of these waters got some buzz after a woman named Anna Sherbaum took a little soak in 1884. Sheerbaum had a disability at the time that she visited the spa. After taking a little dip in the mineral-rich water, she claimed that the very water had fixed her ailments and that the water had healing pro- properties. Feeling so relieved and transfixed by the water that healed her, Anna convinced her husband, Reverend J.F. Sheerbaum, that he needed to open a hotel there. So on Easter Sunday in 1887, a hotel was built in the area in addition to the spa and bathhouse. In 1890, the hotel changed hands again and was bought by the Shire Brothers. The brothers added more to the hotel as business had been increasing steadily for years. But after being in operation for 24 years, on November 8, 1891, the entire building was set on fire and completely burned to the ground. Oh, wow. So kind of like your hotel, too, which is weird. Yeah. It was found out that an arsonist, who had a grudge oh. against the brothers for some reason, was the one who started the horrible fire. Oh. It is said that that person had broken in and spread coals from the furnace all over the wooden floors. But in some of the sources I read, it said that it is still unknown if the story about the arson is true or not.
1: So there's no way to know.
0: But the brothers quickly got to work and rebuilt the hotel to be even bigger, better, and stronger. Electricity was installed in 1896, and in 1898, the brothers even began bottling their spring water. It is believed that this was actually in response to the Washington Hotel, their main competitor. This bottling of the water didn't last long, though. Soon the health board came to inspect the bottling of the water, and the brothers were told that, in order to continue with this, they would have to bottle water in a completely different area than where the baths were. Which would be, like, a healthy thing to do. Yeah. But deciding that this would be too high of an expense to build a completely new building, the brothers just stopped bottling the water. I don't think I'd want to drink water out of the same area, like, the bathhouses. I don't no. know. No, So around 1900, the hotel was sold back to Reverend J.F. Sheerbaum. It is believed this was due to the passing of one of the Shire brothers. After it was back in his possession, Reverend Sheerbaum continued to make improvements to the hotel. He passed away in 1904, followed by his wife in 1911. The Sheerbaums left the hotel to their son, Ben. From the beginning and throughout the years, the hotel changed hands many times. It was used as a place where the mob would conduct business, for a few years, it operated as a membership country club. After that, it was a place known as Pleasureland, oh. but that was a place where families could come to spend a day full of family fun at the hotel's park. Oh. I feel like a different name would have been better.
1: Yeah. Could you imagine, like, somewhere called Pleasureland <laughs> no, today? No, that's like, awful.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not a family-friendly location. Not at all. Dances were also offered here every Saturday night from 6 to 1. Rooms were also available for those who wanted to stay, at, like, who wanted to stay the night. They had a little bit too much fun at the dance. Oh. <laughs> In 1965, the Boiler Room Lounge and Restaurant was open to the public, no longer just for hotel guests, and it was still part of the original hotel. The lounge and restaurant offered live music and dancing. Still, throughout all the owners and years, the hotel was continuously updated, renovated, and expanded. Though this hotel had gone through many different owners, it has continued to operate as a hotel and spa. On February 1st, 2004, the current owners, Mary and Don Renegarb, who had been owners for some time, decided it was time to continue renovating the hotel and trying to restore it to its original glory. <laughs> so there's obviously a lot of additional history th- to this hotel, but it would have taken me absolutely forever to go through it fully, so I just did, like, the little highlights. Right. So there have obviously been a few deaths in this hotel, because why else would I talk about it? Right. Back around 1884, when the hotel was being constructed, a man named Meyer died after suffering burns that he received while using a threshing machine engine. Those were used to help heat the water in the bathhouse. The machine exploded, fatally burning him. And slight trigger warning for this. Three of the previous owners of the hotel completed and died by suicide. One of the notable owners who passed this way was Ben Sheerbaum. He was the son of Anna, the one who claimed that the spring waters had healed her. After his parents passed, Ben took over ownership and control of the hotel. He also loved the springs and the magical properties that the springs seemed to possess. Ben was married to Alma Scholes, who actually was the daughter of the owner of a store right across the street from the hotel, so nice and convenient. <laughs> but the couple had a rocky marriage, and Alma ended up leaving Ben after four years in November of 1916. This was right around the time that the hotel was closed for the season, so each season in the cold months would close. Oh. Um, ben spent days looking for Alma after she left, hoping he could talk to her. He even went to her parents' store across the street, but they wouldn't help him find Alma, so he returned back to his empty hotel, alone and sad. Five days later, a traveling salesman was passing through the area and was looking for the All Ring Hotel. He accidentally stumbled upon the original Springs by mistake and, thinking it was the hotel he was looking for, walked into the lobby. Though the hotel was supposed to be closed for the season, the front door had been unlocked. Noticing the hotel was empty, the salesman called out for anyone and started trying to walk around to find anyone in charge. Which, I don't know why you would keep walking down random halls in a random hotel, but, like, okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And that would be kind of terrifying. If you don't see anyone, I would probably leave.
1: And the door was unlocked?
0: Yeah. Uh, the front door. Yeah, when I it mean. should be closed, because it's technically closed for the season. Right. Eventually, he turned down a hallway that had a passageway that led out to the bathhouse. This is when the salesman came upon a huge pool of dried blood. Oh. Ben Sheerbaum was slept against the wall with a double-barreled shotgun in his lap. Several letters and pictures of his wife surrounded him. Isn't that so sad? It took a few days for his body to be found, as since Alma had left and the hotel was technically closed for the season, no one really noticed that he was missing until the random salesman came along by mistake. (gasps) I know. But there's a strange story that emerged after Ben's body had been found. A teamster, who is pretty much a person who drives teams of animals, named George Garbs, said that in the days before Ben's body was found, his horses would resist going past the hotel – Apparently, it's because the horses were able to smell the blood that had been inside of the hotel. Isn't that cool?
1: Wow. Like, kind of
0: creepy, but, like, pretty yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't know horses had that ability.
0: I, I didn't either. Wow. So at the time, it was unknown why they wouldn't pass, obviously, but now it made sense. Yeah. Then in 1920, a new owner named Conrad Peeben took control of the hotel. Peebin also loved the hotel, and when he became the owner, he started to make some more renovations. He wanted the hotel to be a place that people would come to visit at any time of the year, so he added heating to each room. That way they wouldn't have to close during the cold winter months. And I guess they didn't have it before, which would obviously deter guests from wanting to visit in the cold months if you don't have heating.
1: Right. I don't know. But also, like, plumbing. When you're plumbing... Right? Yeah.
0: Well, I guess if they closed the hotel, then maybe they turned off the water. I don't know how any of this works. Same. When we lost our electricity here and we didn't have heat when it was snowing, we were so scared that our pipes were going to burst or, like, freeze or something. Thankfully, we only got down to 53, which is still freezing, but nothing froze and we were all fine. Oh, my, 53. It was awful. It was awful. (laughs) So, um... This Peabody guy is the one who actually turned the hotel into the country club that I mentioned earlier. Mm. This also helped with profits, because the 20s was when the Depression was really hitting the U.S., but soon enough, the Great Depression only got worse and the hotel struggled. Things were looking very bleak for the hotel, which led to Peebin taking his own life. Oh. Then, in March 1962, the new owner, Tim Rogers, died in his upstairs room. Ghost Hunters, the show, referred to him as Tom Rogers, but all of the other sources I used referred to him as Tim, so I'm just going to call him Tim.
1: Wait, was this on Ghost Hunters? Uh,
0: they will visit.
1: Wow. Yeah, which I okay. will talk about. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, that's okay.
0: So Rogers started out in the hotel as the chief clerk and auditor in 1931. In 1934, he began a series of dances on Saturday nights that drew more visitors to the hotel. Rogers is the one who came up with the plan to open Pleasureland. Oh, gosh. He eventually became the new owner. But over the years, Rogers started to become more eccentric and strange, and those behaviors continued on. He would walk the empty hallways and corridors of the hotel each night. But one day, he was found dead in room 350. No explanation of his death has ever been provided. Some reports mention natural causes. Other reports m- noted that it may be a suicide. But there had never been any evidence of Roger struggling with depression or anything that people would lead to a suicide, so it's not known.
1: This was in the 60s? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wait. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the 60s. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised else was done to Yeah, his body in the 60s yeah okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now we talked about the ghosts oh so the ghosts that are said to haunt this place there are quite a few the hotel is many different and many active spirits that are actually very well documented which is kind of strange yeah pretty much right when the Renegarbs took over ownership of the hotel they started to hear the tales of hauntings from staff and the desk clerks Tales included pacing footsteps and empty hallways, figures that always seem just out of the corner of your eye, doors that would open and shut on their own, old-timey music wafting and echoing in the corridors, reports of feeling a presence watching over them as they're carrying out their duties, as if this presence is supervising them, and just the overall feeling of being watched. Guests have also reported wild experiences while in the hotel. Apparitions have been seen throughout the hotel, disembodied footsteps are heard, and that random music and voices that don't belong to any living person are heard all around the hotel's.
1: That's so creepy. I know. Guests have bumps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> guests have also seen doors open and shut on their own, and mists and apparitions are sometimes just briefly seen. Most of these experiences have happened on the third floor. One of the most paranormally active floors is the third floor, especially room 350, the one where Tim Rogers was found dead. Many guests actually booked this room specifically, knowing all about its haunted reputation and wanting to experience something. <laughs> I can tell by your face you wouldn't do that.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> can't believe people do but all right <laughs> one
0: guest who was staying in room 350 said she felt someone pressing on her legs she was staying alone
1: oh she packed
0: God. up her stuff immediately and left the hotel she told the hotel workers that the hotel was too spooky for her liking and that she didn't want to stay there any longer <laughs> yeah another story from a guest was that they were originally staying in room 350 but he asked to be moved why well because this guest heard whispering voices and felt cold cold spots that were trying to move into bed with him absolutely no thank you (laughs)
1: oh my gosh was rogers found in bed that's a good question
0: i don't know i didn't read anywhere where he was found okay just that he was found in room 350 but that's about it right That's a very good question
1: thank you
0: (laughs) (laughs) hotel staff are also aware of the reputation of this floor noting that it just has a paranormal vibe overall but more than just that they are aware of the many sightings of apparitions that have taken place on this floor The current owners of the hotel have stated that members of their cleaning staff actually refuse to use the staircase at the end of the hallway on the third floor because of the intense, unsettling feeling that they get when they walk over there. Oh, God. But the third floor isn't the only haunted floor. The (laughs) second floor also has some paranormal activity of its own. There is a figure that is usually seen on the second floor, but this spirit is said to have a friendly energy. Back in 1992, the Renegard family was just finishing moving in. The family's daughter was on the second floor when a figure appeared in front of her. They believe the entity was either wanting to play or trying to welcome the new family to the hotel. Which is kind of cute. But staff still tends to avoid the floor altogether. Yeah, They have reported hearing strange noises coming from rooms that they know are empty and locked. Footsteps are heard walking down hallways. One guest had an experience where they checked into the hotel and got assigned their room on the second floor. They walked up to their room, and when they opened the door, they noticed another guest already in there. Obviously a little confused, the person walked back downstairs to the main lobby and explained what happened. They were then informed that no one had checked in, and no one would have had that key. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) Goosebumps. I know.
0: (laughs) A husband and wife also had a sort of similar experience to the previous guests I talked about. As they were in bed, they heard what sounded like people whispering, but the last straw was when the couple felt multiple cold spots trying to also join them in bed. I know. It's like, ghosts, like, no thank you. Yeah. Other residents who have stayed on the third floor have reported hearing loud bangs right outside their door in the middle of the night. Others have caught full apparitions on their phones or cameras in pictures that they had taken while on the floor – And some have even reported being locked into rooms. Rooms that didn't have locks to begin with. Which, again, something I don't like. I don't like being trapped in places that I can't get out of. Yeah. Which is why elevators are a (laughs) no-go.
1: Also, why did some of the rooms not have locks?
0: I guess maybe it was, like... You know, if it's – I mean, what I'm thinking, if it's, like, a big bathroom, you know, like, yeah. the bathroom door doesn't really have a lock, there are, like, stalls instead. Like, maybe rooms like that.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: But I feel like not, like, the hotel rooms.
1: Yeah, I would hope not. Yes. <laughs> right?
0: The laundry room is also said to be haunted. Believed to have been a casino back in the 1920s, people have reported hearing old-timey music coming from this room. Staff members have also reported that while in this room, they feel another presence in there with them. They describe it as being a stern presence who keeps a close watch on them. Super (laughs) micromanaging. And not surprisingly, the hotel also has its own Lady in White. This spirit is very common and very popular. She is usually seen on the second floor balcony just sitting, but she is always seen wearing a hat, so her face is always obscured. She has been seen looking out of windows. One delivery driver saw her looking out at one of the windows in the bathhouse when he stopped by the hotel for a delivery. He had oh been at the gosh. hotel to deliver whatever he had at the time. When he arrived at the hotel, he asked Mary, the owner, who the woman was who was staring out one of the windows on the upper floor. Mary asked where exactly the driver has seen this woman, so he let her outside and pointed at the window he had seen the woman in. Mary told him that there was no one up there on that particular day, but the driver was insistent that he had seen a woman wearing white who also happened to be wearing a hat. Oh. Well, it turns out that the window he pointed at was in the men's bathhouse, and that particular window was in a locked storage room. So no way anyone could be in that room,
1: right? Some guests wow. have, yeah,
0: some guests have even reported seeing her just standing at the end of their bed, staring <gasps> at them while they sleep.
1: <sighs> oh, that's so creepy! I
0: know. She is also mostly seen in room three hundred and fifty it's actually yeah that's just a room like no thanks yeah i just wouldn't stay at the hotel in general but you know same (laughs) it is actually believed that miss Sheerbaum is the lady in white the one who had taken the bath so some more specific staff stories andrea kellerman who is now a cook in the hotel said that one evening she was in the bathhouse closing up for the night She said that all of the tubs had been cleaned and closed for the night, as they always are, their typical job. Not sure if it was in that moment or the next morning, but when Kellerman walked back into the bathhouse, she heard water running. One of the faucets of the bath was turned upside down and was shooting water into the air. Kellerman confirmed that all of the faucets had been turned off before she closed. Weird. Kendra Renegard said that one night, while doing dishes, she could literally see spirits walking down the hallway. Whoa. She was also near the pool and saw someone who was dressed in all black on the balcony near the pool. They had no face, but you could tell it was a human form. Oh, I thank don't you. like that. <laughs> no. When I was in college, it was Halloween one day, obviously. <laughs> and we were going to Chipotle because if you went to Chipotle dressed as a Halloween costume, you got it for cheap. Yeah. And so one of our friends dressed up as Slenderman. So he wore one of those morph suits without a face. <gasps> And he stood, so there was a table of girls, and he stood on the outside of the window and just stood there. Oh, my my God. It was hysterical. They turned and screamed, and obviously he, like, went in and was like, no. It's just me. But, oh, my God, it was so funny.
1: Wow. Okay. (laughs) So a
0: special mention of the attic, it holds a very weird door. So there is a room up there that can only be accessed by a small door that is located up on the wall. So the door to get into this small room is literally four feet off the ground. Wow. People have put forward theories about what this room might be, what it was used for, and why it was built, but still the mystery remains. So like I said earlier, Ghost Hunters came to the original Springs Hotel. It seems like every other episode of like Ghost Hunters has full-length episodes, but for this one, for some reason, they did not. So I could only find little clips on YouTube, so I watched those. Yeah. So the current owner's son originally called the Ghost Hunters because he had concerns about the hotel. Three of the four most recent owners had ended up completing suicide in the hotel, and the owner's son was worried about his mother following in their footsteps. They spoke to the owner and her son. He shared some of the experiences their staff has had. Staff will put a dish down and turn around to do whatever, and when they come back, the dish has moved to an odd position. They never see it move, but they see that it has been moved. One bartender was working on a slow night. She saw a woman upstairs in the upper room who had brown hair and a white dress. She went upstairs to ask the woman if she needed help, but when she got upstairs, no one was there. Oh gosh. One other worker has heard her name being called by a male's voice. Two of the team members went up to the third floor and ended up hearing footsteps above their head on an empty floor. But an interesting theory that Ghost Hunters brought up towards the end of their episode so the whole building has high electromagnetic fields all over. So this can explain a lot of the feelings that people have in the hotel. So an EMF detector is used to identify where electromagnetic fields in an area changed, usually an indication of a spirit. So that's why when we do, like, ghost hunting, we'll go around the room to get, like, a base reading so that if it spikes up, we know it's something weird. Okay, yeah. But some places just have a high electromagnetic field in the first place. Um, So this way, you can tell, like, if it spikes and if you see a spirit or if it's just how the building is. So a big and common symptom of high EMFs is that feeling of being watched or just feeling off. So the fact that the hotel has a high EMF could possibly explain those feelings that people have or report there. Um, Infrasound can also be at fault for those feelings as well. So I did like how Ghost Hunters offered to give like a scientific reason to explain like the experiences and stuff in the hotel, Yeah. but only some of what has been experienced. So if you see a person, it's usually not going to be because of EMFs, so… You know, but that those feelings could be explained away. Troy Taylor, a man who wrote a great article on HauntedIllinois.com about the hotel, <laughs> which I got a lot of my notes from, visited the hotel back in February 2004 with a group called the American Ghost Society. Troy told of a story that Mary, the owner, had told the group. So the story goes like this. Mary had been in her office, which at the time was located above the pool and had a nice balcony attached to it. This balcony is where many guests and staff alike would see a woman in a white dress. The dress was described as having a high waist. The woman would also be seen wearing a hat, which seemed to be from the 1900s. This woman would be seen standing on the balcony or sitting in a rocking chair. And like I mentioned above, no matter how she was seen, her face would be shadowed and slightly covered by that hat, leaving her unrecognizable. These sightings of the woman in white continued on until Mary moved to a new office that was now located near the lobby. But not long after being in her new office, Mary was working late one night and was chatting with the desk clerk who was on duty at the time. A man who had checked in earlier that day walked out of his room looking confused. Still with a bewildered look on his face, the man walked up to the front desk where Mary and the clerk were sitting. He asked them if they had seen a woman in the hallway. They told him that, no, they hadn't seen a woman. They also asked him what was wrong. He told them that he had been lying in bed with his wife when he got the sudden and strong feeling that someone was watching him. When he couldn't take the feeling any longer, the man sat up in bed and started to look around the dark room he was in. Finally, he noticed a woman standing near the end of his bed. (gasps) The (laughs) The woman was wearing a long white dress and a hat that hid most of her face. The woman stood there for a little, staring at the man, before she turned and walked right through the hotel door. This is when the man, not believing his eyes, ran to the door and looked out in the corridor for the woman, only to be met with an empty hallway. The woman has been reported as being seen in and near this room often. They noted that once Mary moved offices, the woman in white seemed to follow her and is still close by, so it kind of sounds like she just… likes Mary. Yeah. So if this sounds fun to you, if you really want to come here to experience the history, the ghosts, and all the other amazing things this hotel has to offer, you can get a room starting at $70 during the weekday and 85 during the weekend. Oh so, like, gosh. kind of a good deal. Yeah. Many packages are also available that will that will allow you to enjoy all that the hotel offers. For example, a two-night stay for two people plus two mineral baths, wine and hors d'oeuvres, and two chicken dinners has prices starting at 135 for the basic room all the way to 225 for the jacuzzi room. Oh. So if you're in the mood for a hauntingly good time, this might not be a bad place to stop by. (laughs) So that is the original Springs Hotel.
1: Wow. Yeah. I had no idea it had such
0: history. Next time you go to Illinois, you should just, like, (laughs) pop on
1: by, Yeah. report back, tell me how it is. Well, now I'm thinking the course where my brother played might have been part of the country club. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was down the road, but still, like, there's no other golf course near there you know that would be really cool oh creepy (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me of course it was my pleasure i'm really
0: excited (laughs) and this is all the practice for your podcast which we keep convincing you to start one
1: (laughs) we'll see how this one turned out and uh (laughs) you know what the reviews look like
0: (laughs) oh yeah so speaking of reviews if you like us please write and review us on Mm -hmm. itunes youtube spotify all the things only good reviews thanks um, we also have a website <laughs> a scary state podcast uh, squarespace.com and if you want to send us any weird encounters you've had maybe you visited the original springs hotel or heard about hh Holmes or anything send us an email to a scary state podcast at gmail.com um so yeah i think that's all so stay scary stay safe